and welcome to Cherries Red Army, Cherries in Focus, episode 11. It's great to have you here with us, interactive and live on YouTube, or you might be listening back on our new podcast. Welcome to the channel. Do subscribe as we've gone past 1.75k, your absolute legends. And also on this video, on this podcast, do hit the like button. So let us know who's interacted with, with us. It was a mixed bag on Sunday at the Amex. We got over the line last night in the Carabao Cup and take on Liverpool in the fourth round. And we've got another challenge ahead of ourselves this weekend against Arsenal, who are also unbeaten. Let's go around the room. I've got Aaron, Steve and James with me. Aaron, how are you doing? By the way, is a Carabao Cup competition a distraction for AFC Bournemouth this season? Um, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Good to see everybody. Um, not for me, no. I can see both sides of this argument because, you know, Eddie always used to prioritise the league and, you know, quite rightly and understandably for, for the majority of people and, and obviously the owners staying in the Premier League is, is the most important thing. Um, but, you know, we, we've had a hell of a ride over the last uh, 15 or so years, well, many years as Bournemouth fans, but the last 10 or 10 to, you know, to 12 have been, have been lots of highs, um, years of Premier League football. The one thing as a fan base we haven't had is a is a is a cup final, cup semi final, major cup, and I count the Carabao Cup as a major cup. So for me, I'd love to get to Wembley. Um, it's you know one thing we haven't all done together as, as Bournemouth fans in a cup competition, other than the auto windscreen. So uh, yeah, look, there's always a risk of injuries. I'm sure we'll talk about that um, from last night. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's a much needed win, and uh, I'd love to progress. Hi Steve, how are you doing? And it did make me think about this because Roy Hodgson said that. It wasn't a priority for Crystal Palace. I mean, they're fighting for mid-table probably. So, yeah, is it a distraction for Bournemouth? Uh, you could spin it like that. Oh, good to see everyone, by the way, yeah. Um, yeah, you could spin it like that. But for me, I, I, I love a good cup run. It's the that sort of excitement of never knowing who you're going to get, who, you know, watching the draw and thinking, you know, who we, could we going to go on a Tuesday night down to, I don't know, somewhere, Exeter for example we could have got last night or we're we going to be away on away at Newcastle it's you know it's it's all a little bit of a distraction and I think it's a welcome distraction look at the look at what happened back in eight, you know 97 when we all went up to Wembley and it was it was absolute scenes what a day out that was we, why wouldn't you want that again be great to absolutely it's great to have this guy on again for Cherries in Focus episode 11 it's James Musselwhite it's been a few years here and there where we've had a few quarterfinals in a few cup competitions, but Wembley's always been just out of reach in the current history of the club. How do you feel about cup competitions in this new era? Yeah, it's perfect. We're going to win this one. There you go. It's simple. We're, clip, clip this now. I'm ready for ready, ready to ready to play again in April. I think it's perfect for the new manager because he gets the opportunity to. This team needs to gel. And it needs game time to gel. So I think that the Carabao Cup is actually perfect for us this season. And the draws have been perfect as well. So, yeah, I'm fired up for it. What? Liverpool in the League Cup again? Come to that in a moment. <clears throat> Sammy Nell, how are you? Great to see you. Great to see you last night. Chris Hubble, hope you're well. Ben Youssef, always good to have you here. Mark Cole, thank you very much. We've got Alan and anyone else who joins us within the next hour. Do let us know in the chat and do interact with each each other about what we're going to talk about. Let's get straight into it then. And it was the Carabao Cup last night, guys. It did take a while to get going. It was a little bit lackluster. It was a bit slow. There were changes in the lineup. And Donny felt like he needed to make changes within 
45 minutes because he brought Dom Solanke and Ryan Christie on the pitch at half time. Within eight minutes, we got two goals. It was was enough. Stoke had a few chances at the end, but too strong on the night. Steve, we're in the fourth round. We'll see in a moment that we've got Liverpool in that fourth round, along with a few other Premier League ties and some Premier League clubs left this competition last night. But we got the job done. That's how I felt about it when I walked outside Dean Court. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a case of job done. It wasn't a pretty affair. I mean, we were we were very abject for the first half. It was much like Swansea, as I think uh, a lot of people have commented on. And it and it took for you know two of our senior players to come and inject a bit of you know zip and drive and enthusiasm, intensity into our play to sort of get us get us you know to make us look like we were that level above which we should have been all game. But you know we were never really in any trouble throughout the game. They didn't feel like we were in any danger. Um, so, you know, I, I just think it was a case of, like you said, job done, move on to the next round, get, you know, some, there was some game time for people that hadn't had game time. What was the disappointing, I said to this to you off air, is that, you know, some of those players out there didn't grab the shirt, they, they fringe players that were given a chance. Um, so that, from that point of view, it was a little bit disappointing, but um, yeah, quite comfortable in the end by the end of the game. And um, yeah, when we moved to Liverpool, we we're going to rest some players and we're going to go through. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know that John Aaron has mentioned his concerns around Hamad Traore in this system, in this team under Andoni Irioli's come in for a lot of money after that loan spell. He didn't really take his chance last night. He has quality. He has very, very good feet. We all know this. We saw him a few times last season. Does he press? I saw Andoni getting on his back last night in that first half, wanting him to press from the front. Probably not. He's probably a player that needs a little bit of freedom. But this style of football that Andoni wants, he wants a lot of Christie's. I don't think Traore is that. And I think he's just going to fall down the pecking order most weeks. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. As I think we spoke off air saying his debut away at Brighton last season he was he ran the game you know and he was outstanding he looked a, such a threat a talent running at players and he actually came off and we were all going crazy even though it was just, you know he only played the first 60 minutes and we ended up losing the game but um we've seen it in patches since then you know as i said there's been patches last season and again it's cameo at liverpool this season but not consistent enough is it work rate um you know what compared to christie well anyone compared to christie their work rate's not going to be as good um He's, he's got undoubted talent. I'm not sure what his best position is. Is it just behind Dom? Is it coming from deeper? Is it wider? Um, we're not short of options in that area. So it, it's, it's okay, but it is frustrating because I think there is a real player in there and we're not seeing the best of him. And I'm not sure whether he's fitting that, as you say, that pressing style that Andoni wants. But one thing we are lacking a little bit is of creativity. And, and I think he's got that in his locker. But He's finding it hard to to, to run, get a run in, in the team, and as Steve said, when he when he starts the games in the Carabao Cup, he's being hauled off because he's not producing, and it's frustrating. It's a long season; there'll be there'll be other opportunities for him, um, and I still have faith in him. He's he's young, but uh, yeah, it, it's frustrating because I know uh, I expected a lot more from him. So a frustrating night for Troy Ray James, but someone who did take his chance, and he has taken his chance at times last season, is Joe Rothwell. He played alongside Lewis Cook. He got his first goal for the Cherries 
I said a long time ago that he'd come into the club from Blackburn where he played a more counter-attacking midfielder role. He's got some really good numbers for Blackburn, but sort of by default fell into like a CDM role for us to support Lerma and play deeper. He also scored a free kick last night, whether it was intentional, unintentional, cross-come shot. And that was our first free kick we've scored since junior Stanislas in January 2021. So a positive night for Joe Rothwell and we scored a free kick, sort of. Yeah, that is good. And it's not just like last season he looked good. He looked good at the beginning of this season, frankly. I thought he was I thought he was pretty pretty decent in that central midfield role. And he was coming in for a lot of man of the match sort of uh, nominations at the end of games. He was certainly in, in, you know, to use a cliche, he was in and around the top three sort of players per game. So it, it, it did strike me as sort of like strange that he's been dropped. Um, and that's what you want to see from players in these cup competitions is them really, really taking the opportunity, if it, even if it comes from like a scuffed free kick. That some I've watched that. I'm re- I don't really know how that went in because it did look exactly like a Dango cross. missed it. He <laughs> just left it, didn't he? So, but you know, they they all count. And um, and yeah, no fair play. But I'd, I'd like to see more of Rothwell. I think he's a, he's got a hell of an engine, and he's a, and he and, and like you say, he seems to fit a lot of a lot of different roles. You know, so mm. very useful, a Deddy Mundy style utility man, if you will. <laughs> I think that we might even come back to a conversation about Rothwell in about fifty minutes because he's definitely knocking on the door for Saturday, in my opinion. And who comes out then? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Steve, you just picked up Dangu Tara. By the way, I do love this lad and he clearly <laughs> is trying and he wants to be an exceptional player. I've said on this channel a few times that his brain doesn't coordinate with his feet. And you saw that again last night. What I found quite funny was that you ask him to make a five-yard pass, he can't do it. But then he brings a 50-yard pass out the sky perfectly. I, I, I just don't get it at the moment with Dango. He's trying though. Yeah, that was. I, I remember that 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 bit of control because we were sort of just like, "Wow, where's that come yeah. from?" It's just you know he was having a bit of a, one of those games where he was, like you said, it's a little bit harking back to Sriki Dembele, isn't it? A little bit where he, he was so quick with his feet sometimes, didn't really know. I don't think his brain knew what he what he wanted to do, and it, and that's what you. It's kind of a bit of a vibe I get with Dango. He's like. He tries stuff, but then he does. And it might come off, it might not, and then he doesn't know where he's going after that. Even that, even that Joe Rothwell goal, where you know he tries to do a little back flick on, you know, and get the claim the plaudits for that one, and he didn't he muff it up. So, I, there's definitely a player there. He's exciting. He's raw. He's young. He's very quick. Um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast today. Actually, it was a um, can't remember the name of it. It was Bill Foley interview, and he was saying he picked him out as the as a player to watch for us in the coming in the coming months. So you know the the owner obviously rates him. Um, I just think he needs a bit of fine tuning, quite a bit of fine tuning. But yeah, it's it's a frustration with him at the moment because you know we've seen what he could do at Spurs, and then he has an off day like he had at Leicester, and it's that it's, it's getting some consistency. It's a bit chalk and cheese in his performances. So yeah, I'll give him time. He's got he's he's gelling as much as the rest of us, and you know, in the management and, and and this whole process. So he'll come good, I'm sure of it. But yeah, again, he was a little bit frustrating last night. Great to have Mark and Bev with us. Hi, all back at home now, but did get down to Bournemouth last night for the game. Fantastic news, and Mark Davies, good to see you last night in the North Stand. Sure, Mark. So yeah. I'm travelling home, James racing back to get back for the draw thinking some big sides have left this competition 
you never know. The Cherries could go on a little bit of a cup run here. Liverpool at home. Been here before. I think it was a quarterfinal where Dan Goslin tried to score a few goals, if I've got that correct. But it's Liverpool at home. They look pretty good. It might be a different side that they might play in the Premier League. Look, there's every chance we could do something, but it's a tough tie, unfortunately. It's a tough tie. It's easier than going to Anfield. And the one thing that Jurgen Klopp hates is playing football matches. He can't stand it uh, at any time. Doesn't matter what the time is. He's, he's always on the moan about that. So I imagine that they will have some sort of fixture congestion, some sort of injury or fitness crisis, and we'll come out. We'll, we'll win. We'll win that one. We'll scrape by maybe on penalties and uh, see who's left. Maybe take on Mansfield in the next round. Mansfield in the quarterfinals, please. Yeah, I think there's three or four Premier League ties and then there's some really good opportunities for lower league teams to get even further. Aaron, I did say this to you as well. I said that off air before we came on that I heard a ridiculous comment on the radio from the commentator at the Newcastle-Man City game saying no one would have predicted that Newcastle would beat Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. I mean, this is not a Newcastle side that are playing around in the Championship now. I mean, they're a Champions League side. It's the Carabao Cup. Any team can beat anyone on their day. And we might be able to beat Liverpool at the end of October. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just looking at their fixes, actually, based on what James has said. And the Thursday before that week, they got Toulouse in the Europa League. And then they got Forest on the Sunday because of that Toulouse game. So then they got us. So, you know, they, they will have a couple of extra more fixes than, than we will have. Um, and he does tend, Klopp, to certainly at this stage, as in the last 16, when he gets to quarter of the semis, he might play a more first-choice team. He does tend to mix it around, but then mixing it around still obviously has a very good team. Um, I was hoping it would be Mansfield or Port Vale or Exeter or Middlesbrough, but if we beat Liverpool, draw the winner of the Mansfield-Port Vale game in the quarters, we're in the semi-finals, aren't we? So that's one way of looking at it. Um, you know, City already out, Spurs are out. Um, so, uh, you know, if we can dispatch of Liverpool... As I said, midweek game under the lights, you never know. Um, and we'll be in a better place by then, hopefully. Um, players will have gelled. Obviously, Tyler Adams will hopefully be bedded in. Alex Scott might even be back or, or there might actually be a game to bring him back because I knew he was due mm. back at the beginning of November. So just about then. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, I'd say it's a free hit. It's, 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 a, it's a great chance to get to a quarter final. But if we want to get there, then it'd be great to knock out one of the, one of the favourites, which they are now, I guess, um, now that City are out. So, um, yeah, bring it on. But there's a lot of work, a lot of more more games to go before then, before we even think about that. So the Cherries will be in the fourth round of the Carabao Cup at the end of October. So that's good news. But before that cup competition yesterday, we did go to Brighton and Hove Albion on Sunday. I did feel there was a real opportunity to get something from this game. And we were quite comfortable in that first half. We dealt with Brighton. Brighton didn't really have the intensity I thought they they were going to have. The goalkeeper was happy to kill the ball and any energy in it. Christie capitalised on it. Dom Solanke got on the score sheet again, guys. But sloppiness is how I can only summarise 45 minutes and the rest of the match. An own goal from Kirkes, a poor start to the second half, and Matoma gets a three-header for the third. And it was Brighton three, Bournemouth one, James. So again, there were positives but there were lots of mistakes in there as well. Oh, yeah, I thought we looked really good first 43 and a half minutes. I thought we were firmly, you know, playing the right way to, to securing a result that was going to garner some points and then it all went wrong either side of half time. That goal, 
um, just after half time gets worse the more you look at it. Um, and there's, there's one thing for saying enjoy your mistakes and play with freedom and you know don't worry about conceding and all that kind of stuff. And then there's just complete sloppiness and 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 you know something that was completely avoidable on at least four separate occasions. It was like watching football in slow motion. That um, I felt in the second half as well that there were opportunities for us to come back in the game had had certain chances gone our way, even at 3-1 down. Semenyo had a chance straight after they scored yeah. their third and then we go 3-2 and then we've got 10 plus, I think it was sort of six to eight minutes of injury time to really, so a good quarter of an hour to chase the game and to chase the draw, which we might have done because like I think, I think Semenya has been one of the standout players so far this season. I can't understand why he's, why he's not starting. Um, he ran the game away at Anfield for, for the best part of the first half, really, was a real threat. And then, I mean, I don't know whether it's a fitness thing with Brooks or not, but I mean, I mean, Brooks came on and he looked, you can tell sometimes with people's body language, he looked like as annoyed as I've seen David Brooks look, you know, for, for only being given sort of six and a half minutes to sort of turn a two-goal deficit around. Um, I, I just feel that there are stronger players there that, that aren't starting than, than the one, and the ones that are starting at the moment aren't in attacking areas, aren't getting me as excited as the ones that we've got on the bench, I think. Um, and it's all well and good bringing them on, you know, with 15 minutes to go when we're two goals down to change the game. Um, but really, we should be in control of that game. I, I feel we should be in control of that game. I felt we should be going in at half-time 1-0 up and we shouldn't be conceding and 2-1 down after half-time. So, Steve, I'm going to come back to this in a moment regarding the goals and not getting over the line. And I'm going to show a graphic in a moment. Let me show it here, actually, because we probably didn't expect to get anything from Brighton. I know I said I felt confident that something was on the cards, but they're very good in the Premier League. I know they lost in the Europa League, but they're very, very good in the Premier League. Now, they're. If you're on Twitter, the other 14, they dropped some interesting stats. Stats don't always tell the story, but... They dropped this, which I thought was quite interesting, Steve. And this shows drop points from winning positions. And we know that we were winning at Liverpool. We were winning at Brentford. We were winning at Brighton. So where is our problems at the moment? And I think we're not finding a way to get in at a moment we need to get in. Can we get over the line at Brentford? Can we get in at half time against Brighton? And then we come out the second half with our heads still a bit low. That's an interesting stat to me. Not worried about it at the moment. We know it's been a hard calendar like you've spoken about in previous episodes. But that's an interesting stat that we need to turn around because we're only six games in. Yeah, I think the problem is that, you know, Iriona's style of football isn't isn't based on too much on defending as, as we've seen. I think for me, the, the, the problem is quite obvious. It is our defending. It it's just seems so dis, especially at Brighton on the weekend. It was, I mean, the three goals are a shambles, all of them, quite frankly. I think they're so disorganized, our defense, our goalkeeper, not really very commanding at times. Um, inexperience comes into it. I mean, we saw that. I'm not, I'm not picking on Kirkes, but you know, he's come up a couple of times now with um, mistakes. I find him. 95% of his game is brilliant. There's just a little bit of naivety and over-exuberance in there, trying to win the ball when he doesn't really need to. Maybe his teammates can help him out a bit with a header of Brighton against Brighton would have helped. Um, but it's it's kind of, you know, we, we don't sit back 
into a shape like we did under Parker, under Gary O'Neill. We don't try and defend those leads and try and be solid. We just keep going, we keep going, we keep trying, we keep trying. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we're not really, we're not as free-flowing scoring-wise as I thought we'd be either. Um, not just yet, anyway. I'm not saying it won't happen because I, I think there's, you know, we can all see that there, there's, there's, a, there's a style being formed here. But we really are neglecting the defensive work at the moment. And that, I just feel so, I, I feel a bit sorry for him at the moment because it's, there's not a lot of protection in front of him either. Cookie, for as good as he is, um, he's not as, he's not a Lerma. He's not a, that defensively minded. He's more of a, your quarterback where he sprays the ball, he's busy, gets about. I, I just think it's, there's times in the game where you need to be a bit more savvy. Um, I still think, I mean, Going back to Brighton, if, if that if that mistake doesn't happen, I don't see us losing that game personally. Like James has said, I think we were in control for most of the first half. And I think that just set the you know, it just set a, I don't know, a nervousness into our game. We carried on with it in the second half straight away. Uh, it's a shame. And and these are building blocks and they're things that they the players will learn from and hopefully we'll see we'll see this start to gel. And I hope sooner rather than later, because we've got some winnable games coming up soon and uh we really need to get it. You know all these little mistakes and get it clicking and get it all ironed out and fine tuned for you know ready for the likes of Wolves and Everton because um, we all sort of wrote these games off. We said about the schedule and not wrote them off, but we said we pick up points here and there. But they weren't the games we were hanging our hats on. We got really looking at these these upcoming games and um, Tyler Adams we saw yesterday, so that's a good boost. Um, hopefully he can bring a bit more solidity to our to our defence because uh, I think we. That's that's basically what we're, what we're missing—a bit of solidity in there, a bit of organisation. Um, yeah, but it'll come. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, Aaron, I did feel like it was going to be an exciting style of play. It's going to take time to get going. I did feel like we're going to need to score a lot of goals. Look, we're Bournemouth. We're going to concede goals. Did I think we're going to keep keep many clean sheets? Probably not. I can't remember how many we kept last season, but I'd probably expect that we'll keep less this season. So, knowing that, we need to score at least two or three goals per game. And we expected, and it's still early, for more goal contributions to come. Let me just come back to what Mark said from the Brighton game. It was a masterclass from Brighton. I believe we played to their game plan for all our dominance in that half. We didn't create enough clear chances. We do need to score more goals if we're going to win football matches from here on in. Yeah, look, there's twofold here because I think James touched upon it. I'm, you know, Semenyo has been a real threat, uh, goal threat. He scores goals. He's direct. He's strong. Um, but he doesn't seem to find is now that, other players are available again. Obviously, Tav, Dango available now. Um, Clivert's had a bit of a, a cameo and, and running and starting in the team. Um, you know, I wonder where Antoine is going to fit in there. Um, and I still think we lack that, lack that little bit of creativity because for all of their some of their their pace and everything else, we still haven't got a player who can get on the ball um, and thread those passes through. Now, uh, I think I was about to it was Steve. Someone else mentioned before maybe. Maybe Brooks Brooks could be the man to do that because we know you know I don't see him as a winger anymore because he hasn't got the pace or strength but um, he's probably the cleverest cutest player we got who can actually get on the ball and 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 play behind as a ten. Alex Scott obviously has got a lot of potential and obviously we're yet to see him um, and he could be the one uh, who can who can play that pass and I think he's got that ability as well. 
it's, we're going around in circles because we keep talking about Ryan Christie doesn't have the numbers, but without the team, Ryan Christie, we, we don't look anything like as good without Ryan Christie in the team as, as last night proved as well as and when he's come off uh, this season. So it's a, it's a real dilemma. And then at the back, you know, talking about shoring up, we have got what I call a proper defence now. There's no disrespect to what we've had before, but, you know, you look at the, both the fullbacks, um, international defenders, but they are all very young. Kirkus is 19, Zabani's 20, um, Aaron's is still very young. Um, so there's still inexperience there. And, and I hope, hate to harp on about it again, because people say, move on, get over it, he's gone. And he has gone. But we cannot, uh, you know, underestimate what, how much Lerma brought to the team. Or I'm going to rephrase that, how much the central defensive midfielder brings to a team. And the lack of a central defensive midfielder, although we've now got one in Tyler Adams, hopefully who can, can stay fit and make an impact, and hopefully he can. The fact we have got him and we're you know solely relying on him and the likes of Lewis Cook and Rothwell have tried their hardest and, and, and Lewis Cook's really improved and we've spoken about Rothwell already they're not that player who's going to protect him from the defence and we're basically exposing the back four which we haven't had for years because Lerma's been there for years and his contribution cannot be overlooked defensively so the oversight not to have another or a central defensive midfielder in earlier I still think has could potentially come back to bite us um so all of those factors, I think, um, play into it. But as we've said before, look who we played. And it's difficult to judge at the moment. But pressure will come soon if we don't get a win in those October games. Yeah, James, I saw you put a tweet out the other day when we lost to Brighton saying you're really, in try you're really trying to enjoy the team, but you're still seeing the gap that Lerma's left behind. Look, Lewis Cook. Lewis Cook has probably come out with credit in the last few games. He is really, really trying. And he is a good player. I will say that if we do want to go to some dizzy heights, I don't think Lewis Cook makes the start in 11. I want him in the squad. But is Tyler Adams the man that's going to step up and, and solve the problem that you think we've got at the moment? Well, he has to be because we've got two, like you say, you've got two fullbacks whose total age is less than 40 bombing up the wings you've got two wingers who are bombing up towards the bylines trying to do trying to do the best they can um you've got Solanke uh, and Billing trying to push on uh you've got Christie running around like headless chicken pushing on in the in in the, in the final third um and you've got Paul Lewis Cook there and uh, the amount of times that happened in Brighton where they just waltzed with the ball Brighton Brighton just waltzed with the ball from the edge of their own 18 yard box through to our 18-yard box, and there just wasn't any cover in there. There was just nothing in the middle. We're so concentrated on this wide play and getting the ball out wide and trying to create things, and it's all a bit... It is all a bit headless chickensy at the moment in terms of our attacking play. There is lots of it, and there's lots to be excited about, but it doesn't feel like the players are settled in their positions enough to play off of each other and know where the other one's going to be, you know, in terms of that system and that formation. And, and I think Adams has to be that player for us. Um, because without it, we only got eight clean sheets last season, and we're not going to beat that record this season. Currently, I can't. I can't see us keeping clean. We like we kept a clean sheet again. Well, our only clean sheet, I think, has come against Chelsea, and they hit the woodwork half a dozen times. Like we're not. We're, we're not going to keep that many clean sheets unless we unless we sort this out. But it is exciting, which is what we are. Which is what I asked for anyway. <laughs> and I tell you what is exciting, Steve. Let's just talk about someone. Well. Let's talk about him positively for the moment. And that's Dom Solanke. Four goals now in all competitions. I think he's got a goal rate of 50%. Another good goal last night off the bench. 
did we really want to bring him off the bench? Probably not now when we know he's maybe out on Saturday with an ankle injury. But he scored against Brighton, took the goal well, took the goal well last night. This is what we want from Dom Solanke. Still more to come, still lots to do, but he's going in the right direction. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, yeah, the Brighton finish was 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 lovely. Yeah, when I when I watched it in real time, I was like, oh no, don't try that, just slot it, and it and it, you know, but it floated in, and you look at it from uh, sort of behind the goal, and it was never in any trouble. So you know, he, he I always I've said this for years. He's the best finisher we've got. Maybe him and Billing probably, but. He's 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 putting the numbers in this year, and I mean, last night's goal was a you know he just receives the ball, turns, gets his shot away quickly. That's what we want to see from him. It's the, it's we want to get him away from this sort of dallying, you know, have, having a bit too much time to think of it. He's much better when he's instinctive. I think we've said this before a hundred times. I always, I think we spoke about the goal. Was it Fulham away last season? Whereas quickly change him and Billing, and he just takes it very quickly. It's a lovely goal. Yeah. That's the sort of dom that I think thrives. Uh, and if we can sort of, I, you've spoke about it many times, getting him in, in the box, in between the posts, and that's where he is deadly. You know, we saw the goal earlier on, was it Was it West Ham, where he danced around yeah. the keeper? Was it West Ham? Was, yeah, it was, wasn't yeah. it? You I know, that's, that's put him in those sort of instinctive areas where he can, he just doesn't really have time to think about it. He just does what he knows is natural and puts the ball in the net. Um and yeah, it's great. I mean, last night when he got the t- he got the tackle on him, and you just thought, oh, you, you feared for your lives. You're like, oh Christ, it's the last thing we know we need. We're not scoring many goals, and he's our main outlet for goals. And <laughs> he's sat on the floor rubbing his ankle. Um, so quickly, get him off, get him wrapped up in cotton wool. Hope he's fine for Sunday because mm. we really need him, and we need him. And and like you say, he's he's looking sharp. So we need him at his sharpest. Yeah. I really hope he's fit. I'm hoping they're just playing it down. I'm not sure. I'm hoping it's not a full turn of the ankle. I'm hoping it didn't, it's just it didn't more look of an too impact. bad. It, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping it's just, just more of an whack. impact. Because yeah. we're going to go talk. We're going to go into the Arsenal preview in a moment, and I'm I'm not convinced that for all what Semenu's done, and James has spoke highly of Semenu at Anfield. I don't think he's now an out striker, and there's still more to see from him. And we know that Kiefer Moore is, is not in the place that he was a few seasons ago. So it, it's a tough moment if Dom Solanke's not on that starting lineup on Saturday at two o'clock. Right, we are going to go into the Arsenal preview. It's great to have you here on YouTube, interactive and live. If you're listening back on podcasts, do, do what you need to do on that podcast. If you can rate us, rate us, follow us, tell everyone else about it. We also want to take this moment... We always want to take this special moment, as always, <laughs> to thank you monthly members for supporting well, the channel. Ah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you to you monthly members. You can support the channel or donate at buymeacoffee.com. Harry's Red Army. So close. Getting it all right tonight. We will get it back on track. It is. People listening on the audio pod, does it? <laughs> That's when I'm not sure how it's going to come out. Um, This is your 20-second warning now to hit that like button on this video to help it grow between now and kickoff as we look ahead to Saturday against title-chasing Arsenal, maybe.
last season, we didn't have a very good game against Arsenal. Last weekend, Arsenal tried to beat Tottenham in the North London derby. It was 2-2 on the day, Aaron. And Mikel Arteta is, I don't know, creating a bit of drama for himself. I mean, he signed a number one goalkeeper when he had a really good number one goalkeeper. We'll talk about Ramsdale in a bit. But it was 2-2, goals from Sun, got Tottenham back in the game twice. And it's uh, still an unbeaten run for the Gunners, but a draw... Yeah, I think they'd be disappointed at home. You know, Spurs have got an awful record at recent record at the Emirates. So I think Arsenal being the home team would have liked to have, you know, finished the job and won the game. Um, they started the season in a strange way because they'd started dilly-dallying around with their formations, um, playing party at right back and fitting Havertz in the team. It wasn't quite working for them. But unfortunately for us in recent games, they've gone back to the the trusted back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. Um, obviously, Declan Rice has been a huge, uh, as I thought he would be, a, a, you know, a huge benefit for them. They're still unbeaten. Um, but likes of Jesus is now back fit again. Um, and unfortunately, you know, so, uh, from, what, from what I can gather, some of the injury doubts like Saka and, and Rice himself look like they will be available for Saturday. Not 100%, but it looks like they are available. I'm not sure about Martinelli, but they've got players like Trossard, Niketia, Zinchen, um, uh, Smithrow, etc. Reese Nelson, obviously, broke our hearts last season who can come in. So they got quality. If, if people are out, they're still going to be a threat. Um, and uh, yeah, again, one of, the, one of the most hardest teams to play. So it doesn't get any easier for us. Um, but at home, you know, you never know. I'll have a, have a, sometimes have these off days. They've got a bit of fragility about them sometimes, but not that often in my last couple of seasons. And I said, they've obviously yet to lose a match in, 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 the, in the Premier League. So uh, it's going to be very tough. Again, we're saying that every single game this season so far. I'm sick of saying it, but it's uh, it's going to be difficult. It's another London side, James. Yes, they're unbeaten. Two away games at the moment. One both against Crystal Palace, 1-0. So they've got a clean sheet both times. They are currently fifth in the Premier League, but they are sliding behind Manchester City early on. Yeah, um, I, I, I've got some stats on Arsenal uh, against uh, Bournemouth. If you should we, should we go into that? Yeah, go for it. Johnson, Johnson, it's a stat attack. Before I do that, question for the chat. Uh, who was the um, last Spanish manager in the Premier League to have no wins in their first seven games? Put your answer in the chat. Last Spanish manager to have no wins in their first seven games in the Premier League. Arsenal have scored at least once in all 12 of their Premier League games against Bournemouth, netting 29 goals in total. Of sides they've faced at least 10 times in the competition, only Hull do the Gunners have a higher goals per game average than they do against the Cherries. So the only team they're better at playing in the Premier League is Hull City. Um, we've won just one of our 12 Premier League games against Arsenal. We've drawn two and lost nine. And that was a 2-1 victory, January 2018. Who was in a pub in London surrounded by Arsenal fans for that game? Me. Uh, Bournemouth are winless in 10 Premier League matches. And that's the longest run of any current top flight side. And since the start of May, they've collected fewer, uh, five fewer points than any other ever-present team. Um, and we're without a win uh, in all six of our opening games. When was the last time we went seven games without a win? I can tell you only once in our history. And that was 94-95 season, the great escape. 
Remember, we went almost to Christmas without getting a win that season. <laughs> could happen again. Lightning could strike twice. I don't think so. I think we'll get a sloppy 2-2 this weekend. Uh, mm. I think it'll be chaos. The chaos engine will strike again. Uh, something will come off. We're definitely not going to keep a clean sheet. Um, 2-2. That's what I put it on. And there are some guesses going on in the chat. So we'll come oh. to that in a moment. <laughs> Steve, what I do want to speak to you about. You haven't frozen, have you, Steve? Aaron, what I do <laughs> want to ask you about, Aaron, is Aaron Ramsdale. That's what I want to talk to you about. So, had a fantastic season for Arsenal last season, Aaron Ramsdale. Helped them get into the Champions League. They got very close to the Premier League. And then they signed David Rea. And now he's seemingly out of the side. And... What's your thoughts on it? Because he played in the Carabao Cup last night. He kept a clean sheet, made a very good save, apparently. Will he start this weekend? We'll talk about that in a moment. But I think it's a bit unfair what Mikel Arteta's done. And I'm not sure you need two goalkeepers like that. It's a bit confusing. I think Arsenal fans are confused with it as well. My thoughts are, bring him home. Bring him home. <laughs> no, um, I mean, look, um, yeah, I don't quite get it. Look, at the end of the day if you can have two top keepers at a football club, you know, if you're going for the title like Arsenal are, then, you know, lots of games in Europe, etc. then obviously you don't want to be in a situation where if you're, uh, you're, you know, your number one goalie gets injured, you're, you've got a bit of a rookie or someone who you can't really trust. So I get it. I don't think Aaron Ramsdale did much wrong last year. Um, he was, you know, pivotal. He's a leader. Everyone said his character shines through as well. Um it is a strange one because you know he didn't really make many mistakes. I don't think he started the season badly either. Um, and you know, with the people talking about him taking over from Jordan Pickford, you know, if not soon, sooner rather than later, then not too far away to be to be you know potentially England's number one. It's not going to help him being on the bench. Um, in all seriousness, though, I mean, the chances of obviously anything happening with him this season are zilch. But if he sits on the bench for the whole of the season. Um, and you know, we finished mid table, then uh, why not bring him home? Because you know, I think Neto is people have still yet to be 100% convinced on Neto, and he's only gonna get older. Um, it's not gonna happen, is it? But if we could get Rafstel back, unbelievable that would be because if he's not too happy at Arsenal, but no, I'd like to see him fight for his place. Um, I've got great fondness for him, brilliant character, and I'd love him to uh, to fight his way back in, but it looks at the moment as if he hasn't got the shirt, and look. Hopefully, maybe then Raya will start on Saturday. He'll have an absolute clangor and howler, let a few goals in, and not only does he give us the win, but he lets uh, Aaron Ramsdale get back in the first team. And James, he's getting criticised for being a team player, for clapping his colleague, goalkeeper, for making a good save. And Jamie Carragher's been an idiot there, let's be completely honest. And some of his family have backed Aaron Ramsdale up. We know we've had Aaron Ramsdale in our own stand celebrating the team on a cut night, I think it was. And he's a great lad. He's a great guy. I'm not sure why you need to go and spend the money on David Rea if you're wanting to win the Premier League when you've got a goalkeeper like Ramsdale. They probably needed to spend the money somewhere else. But hey, this is what Mikel Arteta wants to do. He comes out with some weird statements that I've seen. And, and let's see how he gets on. Yeah, let's see how it gets on. I stopped listening to Jamie Carragher a long time ago at a certain point in history, which was filmed on a mobile phone, but you can Google that yourselves. 
Um, I uh, I think like this is just a case of strengthening your squad because you've got a load of Carabao Cup ties, a load of European ties, loads of Premier League ties, loads of FA Cup ties. And also part of it as well is denying local rivals in and around London uh, their own stars and sort of collecting them uh, for them uh, for themselves. So yeah, hopefully as a, hopefully I'm, I think we're due some goals. We've only Everton have scored fewer home Premier League goals this season than us, and we've only scored one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think I think we we due some goals at Bournemouth, but it, I mean maybe we're not if Solanke doesn't start. And then, but then maybe if Solanke doesn't start, maybe Kiefer Moore and Semenyo have a have a big man little man combination in a more big man big man combination uh, with uh, with Semenyo running through brick walls and Kiefer Moore uh, 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 launching himself like in in his seven foot frame for for some old school number nine goals. Who knows? Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. The odds aren't in our favour. Let's be honest. Um, but we do well to see progression from the team and to see them gelling more and, and, and seeing us create more clear-cut chances, I think. And us trying to add goals in more areas of the pitch and get those goal scorers that were scoring last season, get their shooting boots on. Talk about one in a moment. I'm going to head over and have a look at predicted lineup for Arsenal, Aaron. This is not what I predicted. I pulled this from a football website. And this is what they're predicting for Arsenal. So might be right, might not be right. They've got Ramsdale in. So <clears> not sure how close this will be. They're expecting a back four of Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel Sinchenko, Odegaard, Rice, Vieira, Jesus, Nketia, Nelson. You'll also see that Partey and Timber are out with injuries. But there are doubtful, and included in that, there are some doubtful players like Saka and Rice who are only 70%. They're only confident they're going to be 75% available for this game. That's what you're seeing on the screen at the moment. How close do you think it is? I think those players will play personally. I think, I think you know, we've obviously spoken about it. I think Raya will be back in goal. I think the back four will be that. And I think the midfield will be that because Vieira's come in and trying to stake a claim ahead of Havertz. Um, so apart from the keeper, I think that back seven so will be the same but i think it will be uh i think saka will play um and then it's just a case of whether jesus and nketia play central which of those two will play centrally um i think martinelli from what i've heard is least likely of the three but he could obviously if he's fit he'll play on the left if not it could be reese nelson or nketia could move off to the left so yeah i i unfortunately for us i do expect martinelli saka and rice to play which um, will obviously make it much harder. Not that it would have been easy without them, um, but yeah, I, I, I fully expect them to to, to 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 play. So when I'm looking at the lineup of the opposition, James, and looking at potential one-on-one battles, if Saka does play again, that's Kirkes' very big challenge ahead of him because we have talked about a few mistakes that he's had, and then it's trying to make sure that Odegaard doesn't get going. He got going at Dean Court very early on last year in that three-nil win for them. Stop him playing because we know Rice is going to clear it up and try and find him. Yeah, we know, and with Rice in the team, we know that there's going to be even more opportunity for Odegaard to 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 play his stuff. He's an exceptional player. What I enjoyed last season as well with the home fixture was Saka against Zamora. Uh, Zamora Zamora was fanboying for like ninety minutes, um, just <laughs> lots of pats on the back, and I think he was first to try and get a shirt after the game, and and seemed a little bit in awe of Saka. Um, and I think that's a dangerous, you know, game to play, particularly when you're in the same league as these players. Um, we we have to go in there. We have to go in there on the front foot. We have to try and attack them. They've only scored two goals in their two Premier League away games this season. They haven't conceded on the road this season. But they scraped over the line against Everton, got a one nil win. Uh, 
were held to a 2-2 draw by a Fulham side that's in a little bit of disarray this season. There is hope there. It's not a hopeless cause. Statistics would lead you to believe otherwise, but there's always hope in football. That's what kills you. Definitely does. Have we got you back, Steve? Do you want this manager as well? Oh, yeah. I do want this manager. I almost forgot. No worries, Steve. I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal the manager now. That's uh, that's gone. T- the only Spanish manager with no wins in his first seven games in the competition is Pepe Mel at West Brom. Described to me by a West Brom uh, fan today as charming but clueless. Uh, in, in, in the only manager to have a longer winless start with all their games coming within the same season than the than 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 Iriola, uh, is Remy Gard at Aston Villa in the 2015-2016 season. Mm. Interesting stuff. Well done to Mark Cole, who got that correct. So we've looked at the Arsenal side. Let's have a look at the predicted AFC Bournemouth side from this football website. Steve, if you're with us, they are talking about Neto, Aaron, Sabani, Senesi, Kirkes, Cook, Christie, Billing back in, Tavernier, Justin Cliver and Semenyo, because they think Solanke won't make it. Interesting thought here. Maybe unpopular. Does Billing start on Saturday? Take over, Aaron. Take it on, Aaron. Um, for me, Billing has to be in the team, but not in the position he's in. And this is the, this is the problem we've got, and we've had the problem since the start of the season. You know, because we did not, you know. Um, get the balance of the squad right necessarily um we're playing players out of position you know um Roth will have to start there at the beginning of the season Billings having to play deeper Christie obviously is kind of playing that number 10 now pure numbers wise Billings should be where Christie is because he gets numbers we know he's most effective closer to Dom or whoever the striker is going to be um we know that does Christie come out of the team then you know that that's the conversation to have for me um I don't know how if they're going to risk Tyler Adams because I think we talked about stopping Erdegaard earlier. He's the one who's going to be able to do that if he's fully fit um, because otherwise he's going to have an absolute field day. And again, no disrespect to Lewis Cook or Joe Rothwell or, or Phil Billing. That's not their natural positions. That's not their natural role, so to speak. So we need Tyler Adams to be fit. Um, and as James said, we need him to be fit for every game for the rest of the season. Um, that's a different story. Um so, um, does Billing get in the team? I think Billing has to be in the team. I, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure he's going to be deeper again with Lewis Cook, I imagine, with Christie play. So, though Christie and Billing will probably swap places based on that. Can he do a job there? Of course he can. Um, his running stats are far better than people expect. But, oh, I don't know. I just want him, fur- I want him further up the field, um, especially if Dom is, is injured. We're going to need Phil Billing close to Semenyo because... Um, you know, that's where he's most effective. But I want Christie in the team as well because Christie has, you know, has made such an impact. Um, it's, 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 it's difficult. Um, we're going to have more of a problem when, when likes of Scott and Adams are fully fit, which hopefully is not too far away. And it's who do you fit where and what the best positions are. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think it's, it's a very difficult one, but based on everything I've said. Your thoughts on the potential starting lineup, then, James? Because I don't think Clivert's guaranteed either. Look, I was surprised we didn't see Sinistera come off the bench against Brighton. Then I was even more shocked when I hear he's cup tied in the Carabao Cup. So when are we going to see this guy? Does he start on Saturday against Arsenal? And your thoughts on the rest of that formation? Because 
Rothwell's knocking on the door. Yeah, I was about to say, Rothwell, I think that all of this speculation is irrelevant until we know what the status of Solanke is, because we know that we build the team completely around Solanke. So where Billing plays depends on, you know, what, what's going on with Solanke. Um, I, I, I honestly, it, I mean, we could see we could see a starting lineup with with, with Adams and Sinestra in. We could we could see I, who knows what we're going to see week to week. I don't. I like this Clivert lad, like in terms of his pace, but I just question his end product after watching that Brighton game, and question if he if if if, if I don't know. It, it it just seems like we just have a lot of these wide players that are just a lot of huff and a lot of puff and a lot of pace, but not a lot of interaction and direction and end product, you know. And I know it's a cliche. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see what the Sinestra is about, particularly if Dom's injured. Um, I think I think that's the way to go, and I think to uh, to Aaron's point, um, we do want Tyler Adams playing desperately. We want to see Alex Scott playing desperately. Do we need them at home against Arsenal? Of course we do, but are there not more important fixtures that we want them fully fit for? Take our time about it, particularly in the fact that we're bare, we're not even in October yet. Yeah. It's a long season. We're only going to need twelve points to stay up this year. <laughs> Um, because the record's eleven, right? <laughs> I think so. Is that is that can right? I, can I just, I think uh, it is. just County, out, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> just pointing out on the on this managerial starts stats before everyone does get too hung up on that. I, I, I I'm right in thinking that Deserby didn't win any of his first five games at Brighton, only got two points. So mm. less than Iriola and and I remember thinking after Potter left, Brighton are gonna plummet down the table and now look at them. So um it's a project. It takes time to learn his style of play. Deserby has, has done unbelievable things after a very poor first five games. So um, let's not get too worried about that. But you don't want, you don't want that record hanging over you, obviously. I'm, I'm yeah. only mentioning these, Aaron, because they, these are stats that are going to be fed to media oh, outlets over 100%. the weekend. And yeah, they're yeah. going to start they're going to start knocking on the door the longer that this goes on for. Ho- hopefully only a couple more weeks until we play Everton, I think. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, they are already, you know, they are already, and that's the problem. Um, yeah, we know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we know what's going on. It's been an interesting stream. We're getting into that point now, if you're interactive and live with us, where you've got to think about the scoreline. Arsenal haven't lost yet. They've played two games on the road. They've scored two goals and not conceded. And James has told you everything about the head-to-heads. So now you get a 60-second warning to put your score prediction in the chat for Bournemouth versus Arsenal in the Premier League on Saturday whilst we look at the rest of the Premier League fixtures in 10 seconds. Put those score predictions in the chat for AFC Bournemouth taking on Arsenal. Let's look at the other calendar fixtures. For match day seven in the Premier League, early kickoff on Saturday is Aston Villa taking on Brighton. It's then Man United versus Crystal Palace. Newcastle against Burnley. Wolves against Manchester City. Bournemouth, Arsenal. West Ham taking on Sheffield United. Everton against Luton. Tottenham versus Liverpool, Nottingham Forest against Brentford and Fulham versus Chelsea. So while those score predictions are going in the chat, guys, what I am looking at is teams in and around us got tough fish, tough fixtures this weekend, Darren. 
Yeah, I mean, Everton, Luton. So Everton are, worrying me is the wrong word because I'm, I'm not worried about Everton, but they are beginning to pick up. You know, they've got a good win at Brentford, although Brentford were really lousy that day, if I'm being honest. Um, obviously, I didn't see the game last night, but they, they, they got a, a pretty good result last night at Villa. Um, and they're beginning to improve um, from an awful start, which worries me on our on our kind of the first of our kind of must-win, winnable-ish games we keep talking about. Going to Everton is not going to be easy because they're picking up form and we haven't got a great record there anyway. Um, so I expect Everton to beat Luton, which will keep Luton firmly in the bottom three. I expect the bottom three to still remain in the bottom three. Um, I think Sheffield United will, I said, hopefully lose at West Ham, let's say, who are Burnley playing away oh, at Newcastle. Yeah, so... Um, I don't think we'll fall into the bottom three, even if we lose at Arsenal, because those three are firmly rooted there. Um, Wolves probably will get a backlash from an angry Man City. Guardiola doesn't like to lose two games in a row, so I'm sure um, Gary O'Neill might feel the, the wrath of Manchester City there. But, you know, um, and obviously Spurs-Liverpool, from a neutral point of view, should be a cracking game. Um, looking forward to that one. But yeah, um, I'm hopeful. I say hopeful because, you know, we should, we should be looking higher up the table. I'm sure we will be in a, in a few weeks' time. But for now... Those three behind us keep losing and hopefully they will. Annoyingly, James, Everton have put a few results together in the last couple of cup competitions. Uh, cup, well, in all competitions, obviously, they got the result in the cup and they got a result in the league at Brentford. But Luton have got to win at some point. But Aaron is right. We could still not get something on Saturday and somehow still not be in the relegation zone, which would only be a good thing going into those October fixtures. Yeah, I think so. Everton are never getting relegated. I mean, I I just can't see it happening. The the universe is conspiring against it, I think. Um, I can't believe they've put that Fulham-Chelsea derby on at Monday and at Monday evening kickoff. That's a a vicious rivalry down there uh, in the the heart of Knightsbridge. Um, Yeah, no, I, I... we, I'm not. I'm not too concerned. I'm. I'm genuinely not because I don't think. I just don't think those bottom three clubs have got it. Have got, and it's a real shame because there was a there was quite an interesting thread, from like the Luton's fan fan perspective and and kind of like the patronising nature of the Premier League against them and all that kind of stuff and and I and and I just think. It's, it's 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 weird the expectations and and the and the business models that are put in place just to get teams to the Premier League so that they can capitalise on a season of Premier League money and then two seasons of parachute payments and that's almost the business model you know um, sort of going forward. But I mean I'm not really looking at too many results around us because I feel that this could be the dullest Premier League season on record. I think Man City win the title by Christmas and I think the bottom three stay the bottom three for the rest of the season and there's no relegation battle and Sky are going to have to get their knickers in the twist in April about who's going to qualify for the Europa League or so. I don't know. It's, it's just it's just not... I just don't feel it this season. I feel this is a rebuilding season for ball with huge rebuilding season with eyes on next season uh, and, and hopefully we can you know start picking up points sooner rather than later, I guess. Right, let's get some score predictions from the chat, shall we? It's been an interesting stream as always. If you've watched this back on replay, thank you very much. Do hit the like button. Sammy, don't need to think 3-1. Go for it. It's got to happen at some point. I know I keep saying it on every episode. Has to happen at some point. Mark Cole, thank you. He's gone for a 2... Sorry, he's gone for a 1-1. Because I was also looking at Ben, who's gone for 2-1 to us. Chris Hubble's gone for 2-2. Mark Singleton's also gone for 2-2. And if I can remember, James, I think you said 2-2 earlier on. I said a sloppy 2-2. It's not going to be pretty. I don't know. 
I don't know whether I mean it's one of those. Uh, this this Bournemouth team does not look like they're going to go. Well, many we don't games throw it away season. again. Surely not. I mean, we've let eight points go from winning positions. We don't throw it away again. Surely uh, no, not. We come back. Also, we come back. Also, here's here's a good question though. So what I was concerned about, not concerned about, what was what we haven't seen in the Premier League, but we have seen in the Cup twice now, is what Iriola does when we've got a comfortable lead with like half an hour to defend it. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, so, we, we, you know, when we've had leads in the Premier League this season, they've been quite early. Yeah. Um, and so what was, was there a change in tactics last night? Because I wasn't able to watch last night's League Cup match. Was there a change in tactics last night when we went 2-0 up? No, I would just say we took our foot off the gas right, right. at the end. I mean, when Dom went off, there was that in the stadium everyone was like oh what does that mean does that mean he's picked up a bad injury and we just sort of saw the game out Stoke actually had about three or four chances in in injury time you know I'm not Mm. saying they were really good chances some of them were but yeah we just took our foot off the gas and thought the job was done because Gary O'Neill goes 2-0 up and he just starts playing players in random positions and and you know putting right backs on as left wingers and then you know Allowing the opposition, confusing the opposition so much that they score three goals. Um, so it's quite a refreshing change, that I suppose. But it'd be interesting to sort of see what happens if, and it's, it probably won't happen this weekend, obviously, but it'd be yeah. interesting to see what happens when he has that, you know, half an hour to defend a 1 0 lead or half an hour to defend a 2 0 lead and, and see what he does in terms of shoring us up a little bit. Sloppy 2 2, chaos engine, who knows what's going to happen, and everyone can leave happy with a point apiece. Sloppy 2-2 for James, Aaron. Where are you at? I'm sorry, boys. I, I, I don't want to be labelled a negative Nelly. Um, I'm just being realistic. And this is, again, I'm, I'm like James, I'm not at all worried about this season and where we're going to end up at all. But if we're talking purely on Saturday, certainly if Dom's not available, um, I think we're going to lose 3-1. I think Arsenal got too much quality, the likes of Saka. And look, that's no disgrace. Arsenal are pretty much a machine at the moment, second only to Manchester City, the way they have been over the last couple of seasons. So I just, yeah, I just, I, I just, that's what I can see happening. Um, I think we'll give it a go. I say I think we'll score, but I think Arsenal will just, there'll be moments of magic, um, which we can't do much about. You know, Saka cuts in top, top corner. What can you do about it? So um, they've got too much quality for us. So I think, I think we're going to lose 3 1. To, to Aaron's point, to Aaron's point there as well. Their home, their their performance at Dean Court last season was the best performance I saw yeah. from another Premier League side. They just came along, fifteen minutes, two 0 up, and then killed the game. And they were yeah. so professional last season. And that I, I do to, to Aaron's point, I I fear that's what's going to happen. Yeah, they killed us off so quickly last season. Mm. I think I got Mark Singleton's two two out. Cameron Meach has gone for two one. Liam's going three two. Wing says unfortunately two one to Arsenal. Alan's going for 2-2. A lot of draws in here with 2-2. Mark and Bev has gone for 1-1. Bev, 3-2. Feeling a little bit more positive. Mark Davis was a 1-1. Roy, I think in New Zealand, is going for 2-1. Wayne, a Fulham fan, is going for 2-2. And I'm just flickering through to see if there's anything else. No, so that leaves me. Um, I my predictions aren't haven't been very good, I don't think, um, recently. I'll go so for we're going to lose then. <laughs> no, I, I think we might get a draw. Look, we're plus three points up when we compare the fixtures from last season. We've spoken about that already. This is our, our last real tough fixture. Every game's hard, of course it is, but it's our real, the last real tough one before we go into those October fixtures against Everton, Wolves and Burnley. So if we can get a draw on Saturday, I think 
it'll be a very good draw and you never know. I mean, Arsenal, as I said, have done very well on the road. Only two games in, but um, you never know. We might be able to do something. James, thank you very much. Great to have you on another episode speaking about the Cherries. Catch up thank- with them where you can on Saturday and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for having me. I'll be spending my profit this Saturday that I got from selling my hospitality tickets for profit <laughs> online to a buyer from North Islington. I don't know where that is. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to looking forward to seeing the game. Yeah, I didn't and, uh, do that, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> just just to put a little note in there. Obviously, James didn't do that. Aaron, great to have you on this stream again. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, look forward to seeing you all soon. And great to have Steve on the stream as well. Unfortunately, we lost Steve, but I will catch up with him and see what his score prediction is. So for Cherry's Red Army, what's happening this weekend? maybe a watch along maybe i'll need to speak to john sparks so if there is a watch along make sure you hit the notification bell on the channel that will notify you if there is apart from that we'll be back after the arsenal game so probably start next week we'll do cherries in focus episode 12 we'll review the arsenal game hopefully a positive result and then we'll look ahead to those october games which will get really, really tasty. So thank you for joining us this evening. If you watch this back on replay, thank you very much. Also, if you checked us out on the podcast, really appreciate that. Between now and kickoff, look after yourself. Take care. Smash the like button from me, Aaron, James and Steve. We'll see you on the next one. Up, cherries. <laughs>